Hey there, welcome to Grace Church. It's great to have you tuning in with us again this morning. And I just want to say a huge welcome. We're, we're glad to have you with us. Uh, before we dive into the sermon this morning, I want to give you an update on our plan as a church moving forward towards regathering. You know, I heard a great analogy recently, and it helps to explain what we're going to do and, and how we're going to move forward as a church. Um, you and I, we both know that we're in a time where um, everyone has really strong opinions on, on what's happening in our world today and, and a lot of thoughts and a lot of ideas. And um, we're in a time where uh, people have strong opinions about everything. And I want you to know that from the very beginning um, of this sermon that we love you no matter your opinion, okay? We love you. Uh, we're glad that uh, you're tuning in. We're glad that uh, you're watching us online this morning. But uh, the truth is people in our church, uh, people in our communities, they're kind of like a stoplight. Um, there are those who are kind of like a red light um, who say, man, we're probably not going to be back to church um, until there's zero uh, COVID cases or until there's a vaccine. You know, there's some people that are like a yellow light where they say, hey, let's take it day by day and let's see how things progress. And, um, and then there's the green lighters, you know, where they say, man, let's open right now. Um, what are we waiting for? Gosh, we should have opened yesterday. We should have opened last week. Let's, let's get this thing open. Based on the information that we have right now, as a church, we feel that God is leading us to move forward with a yellow light. Um, we're going to have a yellow light approach as Grace Church. And what that means is this. Beginning next Sunday, June 7th, we're going to continue our online services just like this, but we're encouraging Grace Church people, Grace Church families, Grace Church individuals to invite other Grace Church individuals, other Grace Church families um, into your home for uh, uh, service and even reach out to a neighbor and invite them to come into your home to watch the service online. We would recommend that you provide, you know, some light snacks or a breakfast or, or maybe even brunch afterwards. Um, we're going to start with smaller gatherings and we're going to move to larger gatherings. And each week through the month of June, we're going to be providing you with some conversation starter, starters to, to help you, um, you know, to, to have a discussion after the service, to, to have some good conversation with those people that will be in your home and Next Sunday, we're also starting a brand new series. It's called, I Want to Believe, But. I want to believe in God. I want to believe in Jesus, but. And so we're going to be dealing with a lot of people's hangups when it comes to faith in Jesus or faith in God. And so um, I, I believe this uh, series is really going to help this effort as we meet in our homes with other families from Grace and maybe even some neighboring families. And so whether you're a red lighter, whether you're a, a yellow lighter or a green lighter, I want to just ask for your patience. I want to ask for your understanding. And no matter where you stand in the spectrum of things, I, I want you to know that my appreciation for you, Grace Church, my appreciation for you is sky high. I am in awe, honestly, of how you have handled and navigated these times that we are in um, you, you've really uh, handled this time with love and with grace and with generosity and prayer and support. 
It's really been fun to watch, to be honest with you, to see God's people respond and help other people and meet needs and just be a blessing to the community around us. And I want to say thank you for uh, uh, really uh, being uh, the people of God during this time. I'm proud to be your pastor. And as we move forward in these times, we're going to do our best to listen to the Holy Spirit as he guides us concerning our next steps and uh, really the timing um, you know, making sure we, we try to get the timing right of, of fully reopening Grace Church. And I want you to know that I love and miss you. Uh, the pastoral team, man, they love, they miss you. And we are doing everything we can to open as quickly as we can. And so we just wanted to give you an update on that. Um, and hopefully if you have any questions, feel free to contact us here at the church. But hopefully that makes sense to you uh, in regards to our path moving forward. You know, man, isn't this just a crazy time? You know, this is a crazy time in our country. This is a crazy time in our world. You know, the political tension, the confusion, the amount of information and even misinformation that is bombarding our worlds on a daily basis, it can really be mind-numbing. It can truly be sometimes overwhelming. I want to share a stat with you that's a little disheartening. According to Barna Research, um, a very well-respected researcher, 48% of Americans now identify as post-Christian. 48%. Um, you know, the seniors that we just honored, we watched the v- video of seniors who are graduating. Those seniors are going to be entering a world, entering a country, <laughs> entering into a life that is very post-Christian. You may say, what does that mean to be post-Christian? If someone is pre-Christian, that means when you have a conversation with them about Jesus, they've never really heard uh, the teachings of Jesus, and and they've never really understood his grace and his love for them. If you uh, talk to someone and and they're a Christian, that's pretty obvious what that means. If they're post-Christian, it means that they're familiar with Christianity, and they're intentionally choosing to reject it. They know about Christianity and either they don't care or they don't want to have anything to do with it at all. That's post-Christian. Now, in the United States, if if you're a person of faith, you're, you're often considered kind of on the fringes. I mean, for years, you know, being a follower of Jesus, being a Christian was actually considered something generally positive. But now, by some... It's often considered something incredibly negative. Listen, I'm not ashamed at all of the title of Christian. I I am a Christ one, a, a Jesus follower. But the term Christian in our day and age is very, very loaded in our world today. Unfortunately, you know, if you watch the media, if you read the news, Christians are often associated with, with hate and bigotry and you know, that, that is the perception of the world. And sadly, some of that perception has been earned because of people hating each other under the banner or under the name of Jesus. It's a shame. It, it, it's unacceptable. It's unfortunate. You know, many Christians can be some, become so discouraged by the negative shifts in our culture that their response is to, to run and hide. You know, they, they, they begin to dig trenches and they, they do their best to protect everything that they feel is sacred. Sometimes they're doing everything they can to protect 
what was. But I want you to know that God didn't call us to protect what was. He didn't call us to dig trenches. He didn't call us to run and hide. Jesus told us to go into all the world. Jesus, his perspective was a a forward movement. His perspective was future focused. He wants us to go into all the world. We don't run away from the culture. We shape the culture. We are the light of the world. The big and very important question that I'm going to be talking about today is this. How do we faithfully live for Jesus in a post-Christian culture? How do we faithfully live for Jesus in a post-Christian culture? The answer is found in John chapter 1 and verse 14. And I, I want to encourage you to write this down if you're taking notes. But the answer is we should live with grace and truth. How do we live faithfully for Jesus in a post-Christian culture? We live with grace and truth. Let's look at John chapter 1 and verse 14. It says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Full of what? Grace and truth. You know, this this tension that we're called to walk out on this planet as followers of Jesus Christ can be summed up in two words. The tension that we are called to live out is living out the tension between grace and truth. You see, when Jesus came to earth, he brought the full measure of grace and truth. He walked out this tension that we're going to be talking about today. He walked it out perfectly. You know, when we look to Jesus, we we get a clear picture of what grace and truth looks like. Jesus is the model that we are to follow. You know, one of the biggest challenges that we have as followers of Jesus and one of the biggest challenges that we have in church today is loving people with both grace and truth. You see, it's so easy if we're not careful to sway in one direction or the other without embracing both of those truths, grace and truth. Some of you, you have grown up in a culture. You were raised in a culture that was completely truth-centered, but there was no grace. A place that said, the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. Like, no questions allowed. If the Bible says it, that's the way it is. We don't discuss it. We don't talk about it. The Bible says it. I believe it. That settles it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody grow up around that kind of a, uh, an environment, that kind of a culture? The Bible said it. I believe it. You're a sinner. You're going to hell. There's weeping and gnashing of teeth. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. And it's the young people's fault, right? That was kind of the, uh, the culture that maybe some of us experienced. Truth without grace. There was really no relevance. There was no love. There was no empathy. But it's the truth. It's the truth. 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 You end up sounding like a barking dog. Truth. 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 It just sounds funny when I say that. I want to do it one more time. Truth. All right. Now the other side, okay, there's all truth. The other side 
is all grace. This is probably more common in our culture today. All grace says, hey, it doesn't matter (laughs) what you believe. It doesn't matter. As long as you're happy, you you know, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves everybody. Uh, Live however you want. Um, It just doesn't matter. I mean, God understands. As long as you're happy, Jesus loves us all. God will understand. Whatever you want to do, that's what you do. Be you, you know? Jesus came full of grace and full of truth. So how do we love Jesus? How do we live for Jesus in a post-Christian culture? We do it with grace and truth. We have to balance those two out. So what happens? Let's, let's talk about what happens if we live out the truth path or the grace path without the other. What happens when we live out truth, but we don't show any grace? Now, if you're taking notes, you need to write this down. Truth without grace, it leads to rules and rebellion. Truth without grace, it leads to a bunch of rules. It leads to legalism. And eventually, it leads to rebellion. If you grew up in a legalistic home or a legalistic church, there were a bunch of rules, right? No movies, no lipstick. Um, you know, you, you had to have shorts that were the proper length past your knees. I mean, you, you, uh, um, you had to have the right kind of haircut. Um, <clears throat> man, there was, there was no dancing allowed whatsoever, and, and you couldn't have a beard. You know, even though Jesus had a beard, you couldn't have a beard. I mean, one rule led to another rule, and it got to the point where you couldn't keep all of the rules. You know, some of you, you you might have grown up around that kind of an environment. You see, truth without grace, it leads to rules, which eventually leads to rebellion. Listen, some of the most rebellious, living like hell kind of people that I grew up with grew up in very legalistic homes. Truth without grace means you have to follow the rules to be right with God. God is only going to be kind to you if you follow the rules. And so people that are bent in this direction only, they end up walking around like they're going to get struck by lightning. They're afraid all the time. Just so you know, All right, this is important. Just so you know, the quickest way to raise a rebellious child, to raise a rebellious kid, is to have rules with no relationship. Truth without grace. Now, the second problem, if you're taking notes, is this. If we have grace without truth, what does that lead to? Write this down. Grace without truth leads to do whatever and believe whatever. Do whatever. It's, it's, it's a free-for-all. Believe whatever. It's relativism. If we have grace and no truth, suddenly people will say, well, gosh, I, I can do whatever I want to do, and God will understand. Nobody has the right, okay? Listen, nobody has the right to tell me what to do. Nobody has the right to tell me how to live. I can do what I want. You know, I, I'm deeply concerned, to be very honest with you, I'm deeply concerned that many people in our world today, they get little snippets of Jesus. You know, they get little snippets of Jesus, just enough to make them feel good, but not enough to make them different. Just a little bit of Jesus. 
you know? And they usually just get the stuff that they like. They kind of pick and choose what they want to um, listen to. They take just a little bit of Jesus and they'll, they'll, they'll say, man, for I know the thoughts that I have for you, thoughts of, of, of a good future and hope and, and, and a prosperous future. Oh, gosh, that makes me feel so good, you know. Oh, I love that. I love that. I just want more of that. I just want to feel good. Just a little bit of Jesus so that I feel good. Just a little bit of Jesus, but not enough to set me apart from a dark and a hurting world. Not enough to transform you into the image of Christ. Just a little bit of Jesus. Just enough to make me feel good, but not enough to totally transform me into pursuing him and living in a way that eternally makes a difference. Grace without truth. It leads to do whatever. It leads to believe whatever. Now, I think many of you would agree, we we live in this kind of a culture today. People would argue, man, there's, there's no absolute truth. People would argue that. People would argue that truth is whatever people want it to be. It's whatever you want it to be. As long as I'm happy, you know, that's all that matters. As long as I'm sincere, that's the truth. It doesn't matter what I believe. I mean, as long as I'm sincere, as long as I don't hurt anyone, I I can do whatever I want. Grace without truth. Is this this making sense so far? All right? I can't see you at all. I don't even know if this camera's working. I could just be talking all by myself right now, and that would be really awkward. But if this is making sense, uh, nod your head. Maybe you could write in the comments. You could say, This makes sense, okay? And once again, I can't even see your comments, so I don't know if you're even typing that. That, But you you can type that. That would be fine. Thankfully, hopefully you're tracking with me, all right? This is important stuff. Thankfully, we're not the first to wrestle with this tension between grace and truth. The first century church, the early church, when the church first started, they had to wrestle with this tension between grace and truth. And truth. I want to quickly rewind and I want to take a look at the early church this morning. I want to look at how they handled this tension and hopefully we can learn some things. According to Luke, one of the disciples of Jesus, the early church launched big. I mean, people were coming to faith in Jesus Christ um, in, in masses. I mean, it launched big. In the early days of the church, thousands of Jews and thousands of people from other races and other cultures and other backgrounds, they embraced Jesus as the Messiah. It was an exciting time for the church. First century Jewish followers, they began to feel uneasy with the sudden influx of non-Jewish outsiders. Actually, they, they weren't feeling uneasy. They were flat out offended at what was happening. Believers, once again, from other races, other backgrounds, other cultures, they were coming into the church and they, they left their pagan beliefs, but they brought with them their customs and their habits and, and their values, and many of which were highly offensive to the Jews. And this time was, it was exciting, but it was really messy. And it was getting messier by the day. And many thought that the logical solution was to require to make non-Jews, non-Jewish Christians become Jews. 
Now catch this. I, I want us to kind of wrap our minds around this. Like in our day today, sometimes people are a little bit afraid to come to church for, for very, uh, a variety of reasons. You know, sometimes it's intimidating to walk into a building full of people or to go to church for the first time. People can be a little bit nervous about that. And so sometimes it's hard to, to get friends and family to come to church with you. For some, uh, it might be hard to invite people to come to church. It's, it's just a little bit intimidating. You might feel a little bit nervous when you do it. You think you have it bad, though. You think that's nerve-wracking? Check this out. In this day, the most devoted Jewish followers, back in the early church, they taught the following. Listen to Acts chapter 15 and in the last part of verse 1. It says, unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. So all the really legalistic churches in this day were full of women and children, right? While the men kind of waited in the parking lot in the car, you know, um, Gosh, can you imagine inviting a friend to church in this day? Like, hey, man, you want to come to church with me? Your friend is like, yeah, man, yeah, I'll come with you. I'll join you. And you're like, hey, you just got to do one thing, man. You just got to do one thing before, before you can come with me, you know? I mean, imagine trying to get people to come to church with you in this day. Circumcision was only the beginning. There were all kinds of customs and traditions that the non-Jews were not following. And this was causing a lot of division within the church. And it got to this point where people were saying, they're not like us and we're not like them, so let's not even worship together. And it was starting to divide the church and that was not God's heart. That is not God's intention for the church. He doesn't want division. He wants people to be together. And so there was conflict. There was, it was messy. So to resolve the conflict the early church leaders decided to send Barnabas and Paul, two uh, faithful Christian leaders that had been eyewitnesses to the life and ministry of Jesus. And they sent Barnabas and Paul and a few others to Jerusalem to help resolve the matter. Now remember, these men had spent years listening to and watching Jesus. And so if anyone would know what to do with the influx of people and how to kind of clean up the mess that was happening Uh, they would know what to do. Certainly they would. And so when the council arrived in Jerusalem, Jerusalem was where kind of the the division and and the messiness was happening. When they arrived to Jerusalem, they received a warm welcome. And they had a big meeting. They had a council. And Paul and Barnabas, they were able to report um, of the incredible growth that was happening in the early church, specifically highlighting the large number of non-Jews who were embracing the message of Jesus Christ. And when they finished their report, some men stood up in the, in the meeting that they were having and they declared, the non-Jews must be circumcised and they must be required to keep the law of Moses. Now remember, this is, it's, it's almost comical. This, this was the law that they themselves couldn't keep. Truth but no grace. Gosh, it's, it's always so fascinating to me how we put rules on people and oftentimes we can't even keep our own rules. And after a lengthy debate at this council in Jerusalem, Peter addressed the group and he began to remind them of his own experience with non-Jews in the gospel. 
Because God had made it abundantly clear to Peter that salvation was to be offered to everyone on the same terms. And those terms were faith in Christ, period. Faith in Christ alone. And Peter said it this way in Acts chapter 15, verses 9 and 10. He's standing up in this meeting and he says, He, speaking of God, made no distinction between us and them, speaking of non-Jews. For he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentiles or the non-Jews, Jewish believers, with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? After more debate, after reasoning together, James, the brother of Jesus, actually stood up and he addressed the the, the audience and and, and he spoke in the meeting and everybody was tuned into what James had to say because James had a special relationship with Jesus. He was Jesus' brother. And James said this in Acts chapter 15 and verse 19. If you can kind of picture this, almost like a, uh, you know, just a meeting setting and he's standing up and he says, and it's so, it's my judgment. Acts 15 and verse 19. And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles or the non-Jews who are turning to God. This is my conclusion. This is what I'm deciding. We shouldn't make it difficult for non-Jews to turn to God. We shouldn't make it more difficult for people who are turning to God in faith. That's the grace part. Gosh, people come in with all their brokenness. And and oftentimes, and wrongfully, we as Christians, we try to clean up the outside of them before God even has a chance to clean up the inside. James said it shouldn't work that way. We we got it backwards. Back in John chapter 1 and verse 14, John said that Jesus came full of grace and truth. You know what's interesting to me is this. When I read that, I just quickly noticed that grace comes before truth. He came full of grace and truth. Now, I can't prove this. This is just a theory. But maybe grace is listed before truth because maybe we need to lead with grace. I believe we need to be full of grace before preaching truth. We need, we need to be, Grace Church, all right, we need to be a safe place for people to belong before they believe. We need to be a safe place where people feel loved, they feel welcomed before they believe everything that we think they should believe. I'll say it this way. We need to be a safe place for people to belong even before they behave like the teachings in Scripture. You see, our message is not behave like us and then you can be a follower of Jesus Christ. That is not the gospel. The gospel is come and follow Jesus and let him lead you into eternal life. It starts with Jesus and it ends with Jesus. It's not behavior based. It's based on Christ, grace and truth. Listen, we need to recognize in this post-Christian generation that, gosh, most people are skeptical about truth. In fact, if anyone claims to know the truth, if anyone says, I know the truth and and this is the truth, oftentimes the the post-Christian generation will think you're either arrogant or you're dangerous. 
I mean, who are you to say what's true or not? What's true to you may not be true to me. And they're immediately skeptical. We need to, we need to learn how to think differently about how to reach the generation that we're living in. You see, if we lead with truth, it often repels people who would say, I'm not even on a truth quest. Like, I don't know why you're pounding me with all this truth because I don't even really care, to be honest with you. In fact, many post-Christians are not even searching for certainty as much as they are for honesty. I think in our culture today, people are looking for authenticity more than they are for certainty. What they want most is honesty. They want uh, someone to be genuinely honest with them. They want, they want to know, man, is there anyone in this church that I just walked into? Is there anyone that I've interacted with? Is there anyone who really struggles? Because, man, I have struggles. Is there anyone who ever has doubts? Because I have doubts. I mean, do you just, like, believe in this and, and now your life is just fine? Or do you really ever mess up? Do you make mistakes, you know? You ever get afraid that this might just be a real big conspiracy, you know? I mean, these, these, these are the questions that people might be asking. They want to know, is there anyone here who can be really, really honest with me? They're not just searching for certainty as much as they are for honesty. Let me be really honest with you this morning. The honest truth is we, and I'm not just speaking of Grace Church, I'm saying we as in the church at large, we have not always gotten it right. We have not always done it right. You may say, gosh, you know what, I, I don't even like a lot of Christians. They just, uh, they're kind of screwy, you know, they're kind of, I, I just, I don't even really like Christians. And I, sometimes I can understand that. I don't like a lot of them either, to be honest with you, Okay. Let's be honest. Sometimes with very good intentions, we've led with so much truth that we've forgotten about the grace of Jesus. And you may think, man, it just seems like the truth of God is so restrictive. Or maybe to you it feels like the truth of God is oppressive. But I want you to know that's not the case. That's not the truth. What is the truth? The truth is freeing. The truth is liberating. The truth is life-giving. And at the very beginning of time, when God was in the garden with Adam and Eve, the very beginning of time, and God told Adam and Eve, he said, you can eat from any tree in this garden, but this one tree, I don't want you to eat from this one tree. God was offering them life, and he was trying to keep them from death. He wasn't being some cosmic killjoy trying to ruin all their, all their fun. He was actually trying to protect them. The rule was not, hey, stay away from what's fun. It was stay away from what's dangerous and enjoy the beauty of creation I have prepared for you. I mean, those of you that have children, you, you know this, you understand this, you do this with your young kids probably on a daily basis. You'll say, hey, I don't want you to play in the middle of the street. I don't want you to play chicken, you know, with the car coming down the road. You say, I don't want you to go there in that place because I'm trying to protect you because I want your life to be awesome. I mean, that's what the same thing that God was doing. 
Truth is not restrictive or oppressive. It's freeing. It's liberating. It's life-giving. Truth is not just a bunch of morals and ideas, rules and regulations. Truth is actually a person. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. How do we faithfully live for Jesus in a postmodern world? We live with grace and we live with truth. Listen, every time religion drew a line, what would Jesus do? Jesus would cross the line because that's what Jesus did. He was a line crosser, right? Why, and why would Jesus cross those lines? Because people were on the other side of those lines. And as Jesus followers, we don't draw lines to keep people out. We cross lines to love people in. That's what we should do. That's who we are. That's what we're about. Listen, church should be a place where the curious and the unconvinced and the skeptical and the used to believe, the broken, the committed, the informed, the sold out to the cause, you know, those far from Jesus, they all come together around the declaration that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And when it comes to the vision of Grace Church, let me summarize it this way. We cannot be a designed by Christians for Christians only kind of church. We cannot talk about reaching people. We cannot sing songs about how God loves the broken and the downcast, but refuse to reorganize our church around that reality. Let's not be afraid to live in this tension of grace and truth. And listen, the tension will come. It will come. It's happened throughout the history of the church. We will experience the tension. And let's not be afraid of it. Let's embrace that tension. And let's walk it out to the best of our ability. Listen, maybe you're watching today and you're thinking to yourself, man, I I, I used to believe Now I don't. You know, I used to be in church, but I don't know if I'll ever engage with the church again. I don't know if I'll ever be a part of a church again. You know what's happening? You're actually rejecting an incorrect view of who Christ is. You're rejecting a watered-down, you know, polluted version of creation. Of Christianity, and I want you to know I'm I reject that as well. Listen, at church, we don't always get it right, but Jesus Christ, He always got it right, and He will always get it right. He came full of grace and truth. And when you see the real Jesus, when you see uh, Him, the, you know, the Word that became flesh, when you have a personal encounter with Jesus, you will want to follow him. Jesus came full of grace, full of truth. Grace, what is grace? Grace, the scandalous, undeserved, irrational, lavish love of Jesus poured out for you and me on the cross. Jesus came in truth. What is truth? The chain-breaking, sin-shattering, intimacy-building, life-giving truth of Jesus. And when you get to know Jesus, listen, you can't help but want more of him. 
When Jesus came, he did not come to condemn you. He did not come to condemn the world. He came to love the world. He came to set the world free. Gosh, I invite you to follow Jesus. I invite you to follow Jesus. Listen, as followers of Jesus, let's do our best to lead with grace. We're going to do our best to never compromise the truth because we know the truth will set us free. We're going to try to live in that tension between grace and truth. And when you encounter Jesus, listen, you're going to be overwhelmed that God could love you so much that he would send his son to die in your place. Father, I pray to you this morning in the name of your son, Jesus, through the power of your Holy Spirit. We want to thank you, Jesus, that you came and did for us what we could not do for ourselves. I'm asking, Father God, I'm asking that you would help us to faithfully live and to love with grace and truth. The world is is just aching to see something that's real and genuine. And I think that is going to come when we're walking out that narrow road of grace and truth. Help us to embrace that tension. Help us to faithfully live it out. May it be so. May it be so. God bless you.